brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. To another episode of Relics Radio. This is a family friendly show so the entire family can join us as we talk metal detecting, relic, and treasure hunting. You can also call into the show at 270-495-0315 or join in the chat and post any comments or questions you might have. Relics Radio is available live on the Spreaker app but it's also archived wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Relics Radio. And you are listening to another episode of Relics Radio. It's Thursday night again. I tell you what, they just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. But we're so glad that you have joined us. I see a lot of the folks are getting in the chat there, and we want to welcome them. I am Digging with Seven, your host. I'm your co-host. I'm DK with Adventures in Dirt. Seven, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Other than being a little bit sore, I've hunted uh, two, two days straight, and uh, so... Uh, you know, I, I don't get out that much, normally about once a week, and uh, uh, so it's a uh, 153-year-old. It's it's hard on the knees getting up and down, up and down, up and down. That's I got to where I'm, uh, I'm kind of, uh, I don't know, I'm taking the target, and I just listen to it and listen to it and listen to it. I'm trying to figure out, I don't want to stoop down one more time, but, uh, you know, if, it, if it'll just keep coming, well, I'm all right. That's what I felt in England, you know, after about my 3,000th time to the ground. <laughs> do I really want to do this anymore? And the answer was yes, every single time. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, and, you know, we, uh, me and Larry got out uh, two different days, and uh, we had a couple of, of fair days, found some uh, fair stuff. At least get a, another video or two out, and that's that's what we're after, you know, whether they're good or whether they're – but we did a little bit of dump diving. Now, not a whole lot, but a little bit, and uh, uh, so the, it's going to be included in this video that will be coming out uh, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, now, so, y'all use snor- snorkels for that? No, 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 <laughs> didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> I got tick- I got tickled uh, the other night. Somebody uh, put a picture up at Del Hollow Lake. I guess it was back during the summer, but there was a lady in the lake, and she had on a COVID mask, 
And uh, they said, really? And so what? I put one of my dive pictures on, and I said, I always mask up at Dale Hollow. <laughs> and everybody got a <laughs> kick out of that. But No, we didn't use any mask or anything. And uh, I, I started to send you the thumbnail. It is a completely different thumbnail than anything that I've ever done. I've got an old wash pan that the whole bottom is rotted out of it. And I'm on the other side of it looking through with a, with a stupid face. So we'll see what oh, it my. does. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I know. We it's been forever since we've been out. I know that um, it's been uh, looking positive. It's been looking real great. I know me and my digging buddies have been talking about it and planning stuff. And then even at our last uh, our last meeting with the treasure hunting club, we start talking about you know planning some hunts and getting some stuff released. You know, Colorado's relaxing and relaxing. They have this color grade thing, and they're like uh, blue would be completely clear. Uh, back to normal type of thing and or green would be i guess and then blue is one step above that and then they have four or five colors above that uh severity and uh, a lot of places are in blue right now so one more step down to green you know we're not out of it yet but um we're definitely start talking about doing live meetings again maybe um if the center that we have our meetings at uh, relaxes some things a bit or, or adopts the county's uh restriction protocol and um It'd be great to start doing some digs again. But no, we were talking about getting out this weekend. We started planning it like uh, Monday. And then Mother Nature decided to show up and, <laughs> and say, not quite yet, boys. <laughs> I was telling you before we came on the air live, I talked to Jeff Lubert, and he said that they're calling for 47 inches of snow there. And he showed a map. And north of them, there was one spot that was supposed to get – it's some lake or something. It's supposed to get 91 inches. I cannot imagine that. There ain't enough milk and bread in Kentucky to hold that kind of snow. <laughs> and I'm north of him, so I got to look at that map because I know we're expecting just a dumping on and uh, quite a blizzard. But uh, they're calling it the snow apocalypse around here, and uh, we'll see. We're prepared for it. We're yep. going to hunker down and, yep. and ride it out, and uh, you know, well, I tell you, getting my equipment ready. Yeah, yeah. I see. Uh, I see. Chat filling up. Why don't you go ahead and uh, recognize a few of those, and then we've got a uh, contest suggestion there tonight that we want to get to in just a second. But you probably need to introduce the guest before you do that. Go ahead. Right, right. I'll call some people out here showing up real early. Ohio Relic Hunter Bill, how you doing? Uh, your digging buddy Larry Stevens. Good to see you, Dennis Grettencourt. Uh Sevens in the house. Uh, Stephen Lynn Patterson. Good to see you. Um, Bill Hayes, of course, saying hello to you. Swamp Fox, uh, digging with Deej. Hello, hello. And um, Mark Hoover showing up. Mark, good to see you in here, buddy. Uh, Dino, what was the di- the dinosaur's name? Dino. Dino Mark. Dino Mark. In the house. Di- Dino. You never Dino know Mark. with Mark Thomas, do you? You just don't know. Uh, I was going to call it Dino Mark, but I don't know. It Dino, might be Dino Mark. Dino. <laughs> yeah, I think that, yeah, I can on on detecting addicts. Good to see you. Welcome, guys. Yeah, another Thursday night. We welcome you all. Barb just jumped in. Great to have you guys here with us in the chat. And those of you listening live right now, and even those of you listening later on the uh, rebroadcast. Good to good to hear. Good to be back on another Thursday night. Yep, yep. And uh, before we uh, announce the contest, uh, and Jr. Digging, digging it mm-hmm. back. Yeah. Uh, just back. Yeah. Before we announce the contest the suggestion that came in on the chat, why don't you bring our guest on so we can have a little fun with this? Right. Uh, one of my favorite YouTube channels um, come uh, out there on the on the on the tube 
and uh, also one of my favorite people out there, uh, Greg Pickens with Finding America. Boy, great channel, great person. Greg, welcome to Relics Radio. Wow, thank you very much. That was very nice of you to say. And I was looking, uh, Greg, we had you on Season 2, Episode 24, which would have been August the 4th of 2019. And that's been a pretty good while ago, hasn't it? Yeah, that's a minute or two. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Did you see the contest suggestion there, uh, DK? I did. I didn't see who wrote it up, though. Let me go back there. It was early on, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was was pretty early. Uh, Dennis Grettencourt is the one that put it on there, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm going to lay it on him anyway, but I think it was him. Yeah, it was Dennis Gregg and Corey. He wants to know, there's a contest tonight, he wants to know, is Greg's hair real or not? Oh, what's the prize? What do I win? <laughs> I think Dennis is going to send you a double eagle, um, <laughs> silver proof double eagle. Yeah, I don't know. Yes. Uh, yes, 100% my hair is real. Yeah. Uh, yep. You know, uh, you know I prepared for a few questions, but I didn't. I didn't prepare for them, Dennis. Thanks no, so much. We had to throw you that curveball right out of the right out of the box. You know, uh, <laughs> some people that watch uh, my dive videos, of course, your hair just flows underwater, and whenever you've got the camera, you know, when it's looking at you. Uh, I've had more than one person say it would be so neat if you could get your hair to do that out on dry land. (laughs) (laughs) I'd probably get arrested for it. But, yeah, my hair is real, too. Real white. Yeah. (laughs) It's real. It's real white. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's real gone. That's what mine is. Mine's real gone. <laughs> well, I'm really lucky uh, to be 153 year old, and I've still got all my hair. Uh, I lost my brains, but I still got all my hair. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> a few marbles here and there. Yeah, yeah a few marbles have <laughs> have fell out the years. Uh, DK, go ahead and kick us off with uh, with Greg here tonight. We got a lot to talk about, don't we? Right, right. And I know a lot of people are familiar with Greg and his YouTube channel and his uh, contribution here to the metal detecting community. Uh, but some people listening in might be uh, learning about you for the first time tonight, Greg. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little about yourself, like you know, general area where you hail from and how long you've been detected. Why don't we start there? Uh, sure. Uh, actually, right now I'm in the East Tennessee in the Smoky Mountains, and it's a beautiful area. And uh, as far as uh, how long I've been detecting, uh, I just hit my 41st year. So I'm 53, and I started detecting when I was 12. So it's been, uh, and I I tell you, I haven't slowed up. I love it. Yeah. How did somebody start detecting at 12? Like, was your your parents and family, uh, uh, uncle, something involved in it? Nope. No, uh, it's kind of weird. I've always been fascinated with history, and I was always looking for treasure. I mean, even when I was in, like, second second grade. (laughs) I I remember, I don't think I've ever told anyone this, but outside, uh, you know, I would go out there, and I thought if I turned up rocks, I'd finally find something, someone had hidden, some kind of pirate treasure. And I was out there turning over these big rocks, and I got along, and I turned over a rock, and there was a big plastic bag, and it was full of cash and jewelry. Oh, (laughs) me. I kid you not, and I'm like, whoa! And there was there was paperwork in there, so I grabbed it and headed back, showed it to my parents. We opened it up, and there was a whole lot of cash, a whole lot of jewelry, and a whole lot of stocks and bonds. 
So we called the police, and two detectives came out to our apartment. That was in Falls Church, Virginia, when we were stationed there in the Army. And um, they said that it was uh, loot from a, a robbery. And uh, they had the owner come out to, to identify it, and he gave me a, a nice little reward. And uh, so I guess my treasure hunting career kicked off. Wow. I would say so. Uh, turnover, <laughs> I've turned over a lot of rocks, but I was never rewarded that way. Yeah, that's amazing. And that was here in the States because I was understanding you got quite a history overseas, too. And I know we'll get to that in a minute. But so when you were young, that was here in the States. And that was near Tennessee, you said? And we lost him for a minute. I think I've got him back on now. Go ahead, Greg. Sorry about that. I don't know nope. what happened. Okay. But, uh, no, I don't know what you heard. But, uh, no, we heard, uh, we heard uh, yeah, the, what you found there tipping over those rocks. That's an amazing story. And that was when you were young, so that's here in the states. Because I was saying, I, I understand you have quite a history over across the seas too, and we'll we'll definitely get to that. But when you were young, just getting started, that was a Tennessee area. Uh, no, uh, um, now when I started at age twelve, I was in Fort Huachuca, Arizona, uh-huh. and uh, I just come back from second tour in Germany, uh, and then. We got transferred to Fort Huachuca, and uh, that's where I that's where I started hunting, and I just amazing. I'd gotten a metal detector for Christmas uh, in 1979, and just a uh, little while after that, we headed over and uh, flew back to the states and moved to Arizona for about 11 months, and that's where I started metal detecting. Wow. You've seen a lot of changes over the years, that's for sure, uh, in the community and the in the hobby and the equipment. Uh, Tons of changes. What uh, what yeah. detector did you start out with, just out of curiosity? Uh, a, a high-end Supertech model called a Jetco Mustang VFO. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was it, it used a one nine volt. It had the one knob that turned it on. Uh, it had a little tiny coil. It went about two or three inches deep. Uh, no discrimination, no headphones, no meter, no nothing. But... I found amazing things with it, and it, it taught me to dig it all right off the bat. Yep. And, uh, you know, those were the days of the infancy, you know, with metal detecting. And, uh, you know, my very first old coin was a 1912 V-nickel, and I didn't even know it was an American coin. <laughs> I thought it was foreign. <laughs> so, yeah, I started off with that. And, uh, and of course, when we uh, got transferred over to Germany after Arizona, uh, it came along with me, but then I upgraded. So. But yeah, that was, uh, you know, it was different back then. Oh, it it was really different back then. I started in, uh, I believe I started in 1976, and I had an old whites that I got at a pawn shop, a good detector. I mean, whites was top of the line back then, you know. I mean, they were the, they were the metal detecting giant. And, uh, then I think, you know, just really didn't keep up with technology because, uh, you know, it seems like Garrett Mine Lab and Note to Micro and all those kind of rooted them out, you know. Uh, of course, they're on now by Garrett, went out of business completely. But, uh, yeah, those old machines with uh, with no VDI, no numbers to look at, all you had to do was just listen to the tones. But I think it taught us a lot, don't you? Oh, it definitely did. And, uh even when I ended up upgrading to a Garrett ADS unit, which was top of the line, um, I, I got a sweet deal on it, and I, and I used my newspaper route money to buy it. Uh, 
even even when I upgraded to that, it had discrimination. I could actually it actually had dual discrimination. I could I could set it, but um, I didn't I didn't really use it because uh, yeah. one the targets in Germany the good stuff is going to register trash, and so you know, and two I was used to digging everything, and and it pays off. And to this day, I still dig everything. As long as my ibuprofen kicks in, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Hey, guys, we need to take a commercial break right here, and we'll be right back after this message from Detectees. You know, T-shirts are a perfect way to get your brand recognized, whether you're talking about a business, a club, a sports team, your YouTube channel, or whatever. But you may have asked, where can I get quality, affordable shirts on demand? Well, I'm glad you asked. Relics Radio uses DetectTees.com for all of our T-shirts, long-sleeve shirts, and hoodies. That's D-E-T-E-C-T-E-E-S.com. Ken and Mark Guthrie make quality shirts that last, they ship quick, and best of all, they're affordable. So if you need customized apparel, then go to DetectTees.com and be sure and tell them that Relics Radio sent you. And great guys over there, they've been with us uh, just about from the start of Relics Radio as a sponsor. And I've got their shirts, I've got their hoodies, and I've got their cooling towels. And if you don't have them, you just ain't cool, I'll just tell you. So reach out to them and, and get your Relics Radio uh, attire, whether you buy the T-shirt or the hoodie or the cooling towel. Uh, Slugs eating jelly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I saw that. They, they, they cry for that commercial, don't they? Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, they do. Shoot. Well, hey, Greg, um, you know, thanks again for coming on the show. If you guys are just joining us here at Relics Radio, we have Greg Pickens with Finding America on with us. And um, that's a long time to be detecting, I'll tell you. And, and you and I were talking, you and I were talking uh, over the past couple of days, we've had a couple of conversations. And uh, we were talking mm-hmm. about that whole dig it all, uh, you know, uh, either dig it all or or you know discriminate a little bit and stuff and 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 we had uh both of us had some points to talk about so because you started so long ago with those detectors that didn't really have much discrimination you learn just by digging it all and listening to your listening to your ears and listening to the machines um how does it feel these days when you're using some of these more modern modern machines uh well i love them um a lot of people ask me you know what do you notch out? What do you, where do you set your discrimination? And I say, I don't use those functions at all. So <laughs> I, what I like about the new machines is the fact that they have extremely quick processors. And now, you know, it's got a computer board in it now instead of just an old electronics board. And the main thing you want is speed and separation. And, and the depth is crazy good on these, you know, newer machines too. But my thing is I want the machine to be fast. Um, actually, the VDI, I just kind of, the VDI is more like a game to me to see if I, I can call it right or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't care if I'm getting a 23 or an 11. I'm digging it. And um, my last video that I just put out, I found a really nice early 1880s advertising piece from a, from a thread company. And they rang in an 11. And like I say, you know, I think I told you this, DK, when, when we were sitting there talking, and 
uh, a lot of guys they're always asked the question what's the one thing you want to find and, and and more than almost always someone says you know i want to find a gold coin and the thing is, is unless you get really lucky and find a really high denomination gold coin um you know, if you're not going to dig pull tab signals and you're not going to dig foil signals, um, you're going to have a tough time finding a gold coin. And and I know that, you know, some people may have uh, physical limitations, you know, and I can understand that, you know, you can't dig at all. But if you can, you'd be doing yourself a big service by digging every signal. And, of course, now, if you're in a super nice lawn, you know, you got to be a little selective there. But if you're in an area where you have the freedom to dig whatever you want, it's the key to success, and that, that's why we, uh, Chris and I find so much uh, in our videos, uh, because we dig everything. And you'd be yep. surprised at, at the signal sometimes of some of the good stuff, whereas if you had that signal or if you had that item out on, on ground where there's not anything around it, it's probably going to be a good signal. But you would not believe the what square nails and iron and everything, how it will mess with that signal and, and make it a whole lot lower. I, I don't look at the signals. I don't look at the numbers anymore. I just listen to the tones, and if it's repeatable, I'm digging it. Now, I dig some iron, and I dig some nails and things, but, uh, uh, you know, I dig some good stuff every now and then, too. Yeah, and there's another thing, too, for people starting out, too. Now, a lot of people say if it repeats both ways, then I dig it. So if it's repeating east to west on your swing, and then you go over it north to south, and it repeats in, they dig it. Well, that's not quite true. And if it repeats east-west or north-south, either of those, if it's just a one-way signal, I dig them too, because you have to figure into that coin could be on edge. So yeah. you're going to get a one-way target. It could be a long target, and it could be a bayonet, and you're going to get a one-way target. So... You know, don't always, my thing is, if it's giving me a good conductive target, I'm going for it. And it pays off, and that's why, you know, I've had I've had luck finding gold coins and things like that, and it was because, you know, I just, I muscled my way through a hundred and some pull tabs, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the gold rings too, the, the gold rings, well, the last gold ring, I found this beautiful, beautiful Art Deco gold ring with a, uh, with a, a yellow topaz stone in it. And a lot of a lot of my viewers will know the ring I'm talking about. But I dug up a pull tab. My next signal was a 14, the same signal, and, I, and it was that gold ring. And then the next signal was a 14, and it was another piece of junk. So, you know, it, it, you just have to you have to have patience and perseverance. And that's I think that's the two main keys to success in metal detecting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree too. Like, you know. I, I, you know, like what you said earlier, I think park hunters and stuff maybe can do just something different. But if you're gonna if you're gonna relic hunt, and you may as well just pull it all because even the square nails to me are, are sometimes fascinating. You know, we sure find a lot of them, but they can be fascinating. I mean, I went on a dig one time. We were assisting an archaeologist, and we were looking for the square nails because we happened to be digging a battle site that we had permission to bat, uh, to dig an Indian battle site, and they burnt the town down. Uh, all the yeah. all the residents got pulled back into the fort by the soldiers, and the Indians burnt the the, the things down. And that was back in 1850s, and they didn't um, 
No one knew where the houses were or the buildings. Well, we do now because all of us detectors went out there assisting the archaeologists and the GPS located every every square nail we found that fell almost straight, straight down to the ground. So they have a real rough idea exactly where those buildings stand now because of our efforts with our metal detectors. And it was you know, really, really an honor to be a part of that. So, I mean, square nails to me, are they go right in the pouch. I don't, <laughs> they don't go in my junk pouch, you know what I mean? And it's, if I can find a rosehead square nail, like, like Lloyd's taught me about in the past, man, I tell you, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, and, and there's another way to look at this too, because those square nails are telling the story and they're bringing history alive. And you finding those square nails, I mean, those things were falling out of the wood as it burned down, as the Indians attacked the settlers, and 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 the terror and the fear, and that was history coming alive. Every time you pulled one of those nails up, that was proof that the history books were right, that it was actually happened on this spot, and that, to me, is something that just trips my trigger, you know? I mean, I just, I love when I do the research, and I go out there, and then I find something that that confirms that this did happen at this spot. And, and it's just one more cool thing about metal detecting. Yeah. Right, uh, right across uh, the field from my house here is an old historic church that uh, was built in 1809, and the building is still there. It's a state park and everything now. But there was a building prior to them building that, and we know that from the uh, from the church minutes and the records and everything. And everybody was wondering, you know, where that original building was. And there was an archaeologist here that reached out to me and another guy that I was hunting with and wanted to know if we would help him. And I said, yeah. And he said, do you know where it's at? Of course, the record said it was 75 yards from where the one is now. I said, I've got an idea. And we went that way and got into a debris field. And every square mm-hmm. nail that we dug, we had to put it in a little plastic bag and put an orange flag and stick, you know, with a wire and stick that nail there. When we got done, you could see the actual outline of the old building where it probably burnt down and, and they just fell just straight down to the ground. And to me, that was amazing. We didn't find anything good there. All we found was square nails. But we rewrote history, or we defined history, you know. Yeah, that's why I liked being part of that, uh, that, that uh, project, is because not only did we find the square nails, but we found a lot of cartridges, <clears throat> old, uh, old uh, you know, a lot of Henry cartridges, and then actually the Iowa 7th was there. And they had a bunch of very specific cartridges that they were, they were finding from them, and they uh, and they also found you know the bullets where they they went out away from the buildings towards the the ridge, and found a bunch of fired bullets, and they uh, you know they were able to see which direction they were actually firing from. So once they located the buildings and fire get fi- located the uh, position of all the bullets. They were able to know the trajectory, and so they knew which way the Indians were coming from, because that had all been speculation for many years. Uh, and then all the other relics we found, too. It was just uh, really cool to be a part of that. Yeah. And, Greg, yeah. The, the relics don't lie, do they? I mean, you, you, can, uh, you can read things in the history book, but when you get out there and find it, then you know that that's the truth. Oh yeah, I mean I've been I've done research and read books and I was like, okay, the the fort sat here, the fort sat here. Everyone says the fort sat here, 
and you go out there and it's like man it's it's like whistling in a, in a graveyard there's, it's like there's not it's real quiet here and uh and then you move upstream and all of a sudden you find you find it and it's like you know the the relics it, that's when you said in you know history you, you kind of have to uh take the books with a grain of salt sometimes because but i have had that happen where it said you know here's the marker here people say it was there but then it turns out to be a quarter mile away yeah yeah and you know word of mouth is great because you can get on to and uh, you know get a lot of information from the old timers and everything but it's it's rarely really accurate uh, we were looking for a civil war camp here in my town where there was a a little battle here and uh they everybody said the camp was right here you know and i hunted and hunted and hunted and hunted and and after about a year and a half i guess in the far corner of that i found a civil war bullet and so i started moving in that direction and and we moved another half mile and found the camp you know it was nowhere well it was a half mile away from where everybody said that it was but you know now yeah. i can say definitely it was there it was right there and here's the relics to prove it yeah oh yeah yeah but you know that's that's like a lot of things um i was i was telling dk uh if i got time for a little story here but sure. uh i was telling him that you know when i was hunting in europe uh i hunted six years in europe i had and it was you know it was it was amazing it really was but there was one place uh I got in my car after graduation in high school, and I was working there and saving up for college. And but now I could kind of spread my wings, and I was driving around looking for places to hunt. And I saw this castle as I'm going around this road, and there was this incredible medieval castle sitting up on high above this hill, overlooking this field. And all I could think about was there had to be like you know soldiers or knights or someone trying to siege against this castle. And so I walked across the field, and and the hill just went straight up. I mean, it was so steep, and I just—I'm like, I want to hunt the side of this hill because I could just picture these guys trying to climb up this thing and take over the castle, and they're—they're they're pouring molten lead on top of them or something. You know, my imagination was going wild with it. But and so I, I said, "What the heck?" You know, I there were trees growing out the side with these big roots that grew out, and that was the only way I could get up this hill was to hold onto them and climb with one arm and then swing my detector with the other. And I got up pretty high and come to think, you know, looking back now, probably not the brightest thing I ever did, but um, <laughs> I was sitting here detecting and all of a sudden I got this huge signal right underneath this, the base of this tree that was half exposed on this hill. And I'm hanging on with my left hand and I somehow managed to get my detector propped up with my knee. And I stuck my digger into the side of this hill and I gave it a pop and all of a sudden just, Tons and tons of musket balls just came flying out of the hole. Wow. <laughs> and I was so I was so shocked. I'm like, whoa! And I and I actually tried to stop them. You know, I'm like, what am I doing? Just let them fall. Because <laughs> <laughs> so they, I just kept I kept popping them, and they were just a, a few hundred musket balls all fell down to the to the pasture below. And I guess what had happened, they were trying. You know, they were setting siege to this castle. And they must have had like a, a bag of musket balls that they put up against there while they were going up, and it, they'd stayed there for hundreds of years. And uh, but that's the kind of thing where it's like, wow, look at the history coming alive, you know. And I'll never forget that. And uh, I, I filled my my 
pockets in my pouch and it got to a point where it was getting silly i was like i, I just left a bunch of them there but <laughs> that was a pretty memorable that was a memorable little hole <laughs> yeah. picture yeah. that too hanging on with one hand on a root so that you don't slip down the hill trying to finagle your your detector over there to get a get a good swing and uh, i could just picture that whole thing happening yeah a cache yeah. of uh, a cache of musket balls let us run this commercial right here and we'll be right back with greg pickens of finding america I'm excited to announce that Tim Henderson of Murray Branch Outdoors has rejoined Relics Radio as a sponsor. As a multi-line dealer, Tim carries several brands of detectors and accessories, and he's ready to serve all of your metal detecting needs. I'll give you his contact info in a minute. So why did Relics Radio go back to Tim Henderson as our dealer sponsor? Three very important reasons. First, I often hunt with Tim, so I know firsthand that he uses what he sells, and he prides himself with great customer service and support. Second, Tim goes the extra mile in helping the new detectorist determine exactly what they need to get started. He will not try and sell you some high-priced product if that's not what you need. And, at the same time, Tim can serve the seasoned detectorist with their upgrades or new product questions. And finally, Tim won't leave you hanging after the sale. He's just a phone call away for any questions or specialized training needs. So, you can call Tim directly at 615-948-4611 or you can email him at Henderson at comcast.net and welcome back to relics radio we've got greg pickens on tonight from finding america and he was just telling us an amazing story of a cache of musket balls that he found on a hillside and i'm sure greg that you've got some more stories like that that you want to share with us don't you oh yeah i could I've got no shortage of stories after 41 years. <laughs> yeah. They're just, you know, I, I've just been very fortunate um, being an Army brat, being able to travel all over the world and uh, in, the, in the United States and, and having a detector in my hand as I did it. So I, I've been very fortunate to, to visit some amazing sites to detect. And uh, But, yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, the, matter of fact, there's, I kind of wanted people to understand what it was like, uh, especially, you know, I started metal detecting in Germany. I was 13 years old and just starting like high school. And, um, and I was ate up with it. And the thing was, I was telling, I was telling Kristen, I think I told DK, we were talking about this, that every day I, I could wake up and it wasn't like nowadays it was like, well, where do I go to find some good stuff? Because back then, and especially in Germany, it was more like, what do you want to dig today? Because no matter where you went, you were going to find some. But I had this luxury of if I wanted to find Roman or medieval or World War II, I had places where I could find that. Or I had places where I could find all of that because there's just so many layers of history in Germany. And um, we had a huge park in the center of Munich called Englischer Gardens. And now this park, it was the park was established in 1789. And the park was 910 acres. So 
<laughs> and if you if you think about it, man, that's I could have gritted that thing for the rest of my life. But the best thing about it, even before it was a park, it was actually royal hunting grounds. So there was a piece that I found, and you may have seen it. I put out like a favorite find on Sundays. Every Sunday, I showcase one of the things I found and write up an article about it. But I was out there. There's a couple of things, actually. I remember, um, but the one I'm thinking of, I dug down, got a really nice signal, and I dug down, and I pulled out a uh, seal matrix. Now, they would have, you know, it's the kind that you would have poured wax on a document and then stamped it. And when I pulled this one out, it was it was just, to, the, the, to this day, it's the best seal matrix I've ever seen. It was hand-carved out of bronze, and it was a royal uh a royal seal matrix. It had the coat of arms and it said Duke of Coburg Judicial Department on it. And it is a breathtaking piece. But what what made it even more special was when I did the research into it and I found out that Duke of Coburg, now this piece dates from 1570s to, well, sometime in the 1500s to the 1630s. And that was just, I just found it along the path in this park. But it was so early, I, I, I kind of, when I realized that it was a royal hunting ground, then I understood why I'd found it there. But I did research on it. It was a man named John Casimir. He was the Duke of Coburg. And it's a very interesting story. He was a, he was a different kind of guy. Uh, he got married and uh, without permission from uh, from her parents, and he had to shell out $30,000, and he actually gave the parents an entire town. <laughs> <laughs> so now they were married and unfortunately she stepped out on him and he caught them in the act of adultery and he actually imprisoned his wife in that castle for the rest of her life in a tower and the man he imprisoned him in prison for the rest of his life as well and it's now, not together, did he? Had, <laughs> he didn't put them in prison together. No, that is a bunch. Yeah, that was that was the start of the whole thing. You got to separate them. <laughs> I know. No, but no. Greg, she was I, have, up I got a quick question. Here's a quick question, right? You got these amazing stories. I've heard so many of them in your your favorite finds that you put on Facebook in your community tab or YouTube channel. And I just posted those yeah. links in the uh, chats for all of you that are listening later on the replay or those of you listening live. You can come back later and check that out. But did you know this history before the find or did this one find – make you learn this history and educate yourself on this history oh no i had no idea about the duke of coburg as a matter of fact i think it was located in east germany at the time um uh, or no it was actually just it, no it was in bavaria it wasn't very far from munich and uh no no the the find like i said uh, i tell everyone a find is a find but a history history makes the find a treasure yeah. and so it was a it's a beautiful seal matrix but it's the story. The story was amazing, and it gets even crazier. But he actually imprisoned his wife there, and for the rest of her life, she 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 passed away imprisoned in that castle. And you know what he did? He went out and married her cousin. <laughs> and <laughs> that'll teach you. So, so he he also with the man who was caught with her. He remained in prison until 1603, and he actually died three years. Well, and it's amazing the timing. The Duke of Herberg decided, oh, 
he had heard that he was ill and he was probably going to die. And he told him, he said, man, that's a shame because I was going to free you in three days. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, but the most amazing thing about this, and this, this is amazing. This was during the witch, you know, the witch trials. This was the age and the era, even in Salem, um, going all over the world. Now, the Duke of Coburg, in his judicial department, had, the, I believe, 178 trials on witches. And it got me thinking about this, this seal matrix, because they wouldn't have had more than one, maybe two of these made. And just the, the, the thought of this thing was used to possibly seal official documents from witch trials that took place in the 15 and 1600s. Uh, that is just mind-blowing. And... That was that was the kind of caliber of fines that you know I was finding as a young a young man in Germany and coming home in my pouch. <laughs> it's just it's an amazing thing, and uh, you know that park that park had so much history that I could just go out there and you know I mean I found I found so many different things. Um, one of the other things I found was like a foot deep, and I I got this really great signal, and I pulled out. I could feel something around, and I pulled it out. And it was a silver and gold pocket watch with a heart-shaped opening on the door. And I was like, oh, it's the most beautiful pocket watch. And to this day, it's the best one I've ever found. But as I, as I wiped the dirt off the front, there was a tiny silver coin sitting right on the porcelain dial of that pocket watch. And it was 1834 from King Ludwig. <laughs> and, it, you know, that's, but I, I want to say that that kind of thing happened a lot in you know, from well, 19. I've heard, I've heard even these days, Germany is a real big uh, hot spot for people that want to go detecting. Uh, if you can, if you can get there and do that. So let me ask you this: How does a young army brat get permission to dig some of these properties in Germany? Did you have some kind of inside connection? Did you were your parents connected? No, they were time public, then. They were these these were public parks. Oh wow. Uh, I mean, honestly, I was out there swinging uh, Garrett ADS, and then in 85, I got a Garrett Freedom too, and they were both awesome machines. And, um, but when I was out there detecting, people had no clue what I was doing. I mean, I spent a lot of time explaining to them uh, what I was doing, and I was pretty fluent in German. Um, so they would come up, and they're like, what are you looking for, or what are you doing? And I, I'd tell them I'm looking for coins and jewelry, and they just... They looked at me like I was nuts. And, uh, <laughs> they flip you some money, like poor child here. Have a, <laughs> have a creature. Lloyd <laughs> may remember a story I told in the last show about uh, a German that gave me money, uh, and I, I, I guess I could tell that one too. But uh, but no, I I would pull something out of my pouch just to uh, show them what I'd find, and and the one word they always said was "ehrlich," which means really. <laughs> and, and they were just. They were blown away, and, uh, you know, so it, it was fun. Uh, now, also, that was the time, too, when Chernobyl, we had that Chernobyl accident, and uh, I remember we couldn't even go on, we couldn't, like, walk on the ground. We couldn't go, like, on, in parks for, like, a few months, and that drove me crazy. Uh, but when we finally got out there, I was out there doing the detecting, and they come up and they go, is it safe? I'm like, is it safe? And then I didn't, it didn't dawn on me that like the radioactivity <laughs> levels. <you know? laughs> I said, yeah, yeah. 
I'm like, yep, it's all clear. We're good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Relic Hunter in the chat said exactly what I was thinking. He uh, typed it before I could get a chance to say it here. He said they probably left you alone because they thought you were Geiger counting. Yeah. <laughs> probably had a Geiger counting out counter out there, and they're like, leave that boy alone. I would have told him when, yeah. when you were young, and they were asking you what you were doing. I would say, oh, I'm looking for landmines. You need to get back. <laughs> you need to get back out of the way, and and don't be walking in here no more until I get done. Yeah, no. It was it was a different it was a total different reaction from the the Germans, and, and they were just fascinated with it, you know. And I'd show them things I found, and and they just couldn't believe it. And every time they'd walk away, look, talking to each other with their heads shaking back and forth, like I I just don't believe that. <laughs> were the young kids interested in what you were doing? Like the ones your own age? Did they ever come up to you and go, "What are you doing? What's that?" You know. Um. Now I had uh, I had a hunting partner. Uh, my best friend, um, guy named Mike Lewis in high school. When I moved there, uh, I was out detecting, and then uh, I just started, uh, a guy came up, and we just started talking, and he goes, I've got a metal detector, too, and I really enjoy doing it. And he had a white, and I had a Garrett, so there was that friendly rivalry we always had. And uh, <laughs> But he, we hung together for about a year and a half, and then he got PCS'd, uh, out out uh, they had to go to alabama and uh he was he was to this day I, you know i've never been able to locate him and uh and uh, that's one thing i would love just uh to go out there and go hunt with my very first uh, hunting partner back then that would be something really special for me and uh but we we had all kinds of competitions it was kind of funny but we it was always good natured and i remember we went to a park one time and we were we hunted in the housing area, so we found lots of American coins, you know, silver and all that. But we wanted to go and find something really old. And we went to a little park that was a little modern, and we started hunting. And I said, "Well, we're going to see who can break into the 1700s." And we 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 thought we never would. Uh, and all of a sudden, he came running up, and he was just grinning ear to ear. And he did a draw a hand drop on me. He had a 1766. Uh, Fennec coin, and I was just blown away. I, it was older than our country. I couldn't believe it, and he was just crowing and threatening stuff. And he's like, "You'll never beat it." I said, "I'll beat it in a week." <laughs> and, uh, so one day he couldn't go detecting with me, and I and I went out, and there was a modern apartment buildings that were a U shape surrounding this little park in the center, and I thought, well, it doesn't look very old. But when I looked at the park, there was a crumbling wall right in the middle of this park. I mean, ancient. And I said, i got to try that. So I started detecting, and this young German kid came up to me. He says, oh, what are you doing? And I told him, he says, this will be a good place. You know, this wall used to be the remains of a castle. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. And just as he said that, I got a signal, and I dug down, and I found this thin, thin coin. And it had a king on horseback with his sword drawn at full speed on top of his steed. And on the other side, it had two pillars with a coat of arms between it. But at the bottom, I can see the date, 1605. Wow. And I I couldn't believe it. I was just beyond myself. And you know what I was thinking? Where's Mike? Yeah. (laughs) It always happens when you're by yourself, doesn't it? Well, it's okay. I caught up to him. He was hanging out with some of our friends at the, ca- at the cafeteria at the PX, and I, I walked up, and I had that same grin he had on his face, and he <laughs> just looked at me. He said, you did not, and I said, hold out your hand, and I did a drop on him, and he just he, he started laughing so hard, but but that was a lot of fun, and uh, 
Yeah. So I, I got him. I got him. Took him a long time to beat that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say so. Hey, folks, it's halftime. I don't know if you noticed it or not. Go get you a Coca-Cola and fix you up a big old bowl of popcorn. And we're going to open the phone lines after this commercial right here from American Digger Magazine. If you want to keep up with what's going on in the metal detecting world, then you need to be a subscriber to American Digger magazine. Butch and Anita Holcomb are the publishers of the magazine and have won awards for three straight years for being the best digger magazine on the market. American Digger magazine is available in both print and digital formats. So no matter where you live in the world, you can enjoy the latest happenings in the hobby. You can get in touch with American Digger magazine by going to americandigger.com or give them a call at 770-362-8671. And be sure and tell them that you heard it on Relics Radio. And as most of you know, I am the producer and one of the co-hosts on American Digger Magazine's Relic Roundup on Monday night with Butch Holcomb and Jeff Lubert. We took off this last week. Uh, everybody was a little bit tired, and Butch was uh, out of town and just coming back in. So, uh, But we'll be back next Monday night on American Digger's Relic Roundup. Uh, go ahead, Ken. Yeah, so a couple questions have come in. Um, people are really interested in your, your stories of Germany and, and back then. It just sounds amazing to me. I know I got some buddies of mine I hunted with in England are from Germany, and they're like, "Yeah, you got to come over." And they were showing me their phones were filled with exactly these kind of things you're talking about, and you're talking, you know, thirty years ago. You know what I mean? So, uh, just amazing. But a couple questions that came in, I want to get to from the chat. Um, Ring finder Denny Denny Morrison wants to know how many Nazi coins do you have you found, Greg? And I guess you can probably tie to that any Nazi type memorabilia. I mean, when people think Germany and digging in German Germany, they think you know, oh, the Nazi find would just be you know symbol of a terrible time, but absolutely amazing find to find and and to to you know that the history behind that. You know, what do you got? I let's just say. Um no, I love I loved finding that stuff. I did. Um, it, it was just when I moved over there. That you know that was the very first thing I ever dug out of the ground in Germany. Uh, you know when I when I moved now as far as Nazi coins, just a, that was like finding Wheaties. So uh, wow. they were just they were everywhere. And uh, now the silver Nazi coins were much more difficult to find because they were only produced in the 30s. Once the war started, yeah, yeah, the the boys didn't have any money to spend on silver. They were spending it on nickel and iron and armaments and stuff. So, you know, the quality of the coins went down. But the early 30s, uh, those coins were to come out beautiful. But, yeah, the very first time now, as as far as metals and things like that, I mean, I have a huge showcase full of them. Um. You know, it's, uh, and, and to me, they're some of my favorite finds of all, but you know, like I said, it's not, it's not to glorify the Nazis or anything like that. It's to learn from the mistakes that we've made in the past. And unfortunately I see a lot of these mistakes being made again now because we are not teaching the history that happened. You know, I'm a, this, this, I'm offended. We're going to erase history. 
Yeah. It's not a good thing. No, no, it's not. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm offended by something that happened in history, but it happened. Yeah. That's just the way it is. And you don't erase so it. You, you make the same mistake again, like you're saying, if you uh, if you try to cancel that or erase it. Hey, we've got Denny Morrison on the phone. What's going on, Denny? Oh, I, I was just calling in about the Nazi coins. I was stationed at Stuttgart, Germany for a year and a half, long before I knew yeah. what a metal detector was. That's been many over 50-some years ago. And um, But uh, I was really interested in coins, and I went to the air show at Stuttgart Airport. And there, the little kids were bringing money in to buy bratwurst, and they had robbed Dad's piggy bank or wherever he had his stash at, and most of the coins were Nazi coins. So I was buying Nazi coins from the vendors. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Yep. So Germany is a pretty neat place. If I was going to go back now, I'd be using a magnet in the river, magnet fishing. Because when the, uh, the Nazis were going back home or wherever they were going, they were throwing everything in the river as they went across the bridge to get get rid of everything. Yeah, and that's so, interesting to do. Yeah, and I'll, I'll give cool. you I'll give you a, a piece of uh, history about the swastika as well. Of course, the Nazis made that a negative thing because it was their icon, yeah. but. Do you know that, well, I know that you know that that used to be a symbol of good luck, and that was started mm-hmm. and used years before the Nazis yeah. picked it up by the Buddhists. Actually, the, Indian, the Indians in the United States, that was a good luck symbol for them, and the Nazi symbol was backwards to what their symbol was. The Nazi, it right. looks like a Nazi symbol, but it was for the Indians, it was a good luck symbol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that, that's why that symbol was actually in use before Christ. That's so right. It's a it's an, it's an ancient symbol, and it was perverted by the Nazis. Right. Um, obviously, you know, no one's going to use it now. But it just shows you that learning history, you really understand, you know, what really happened. And you know, I I've done. I just did a, a favorite find story on a campaign button for for Paul von Hindenburg. And he ran against uh, Adolf Hitler in the election in 32 and beat him. But unfortunately, he passed away. And they, the brown shirts and Adolf Hitler, I mean, they resorted to all sorts of violence and murder. And they eventually took power. But, you know, it, it's amazing to see what happened. And it's amazing to see parallels. And um, so it's a, it, it's a time that you don't want to ignore and you don't want to erase. And I am... Uh, and that goes with even even with the Indian Wars and 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 the Japanese uh, internment. I mean, we want to learn from those things, so we don't do that again. Right. And, um, That's what I love about your channel, Greg, is because it's called Finding America. And although you've had this huge history, digging over in Germany and uh, you know overseas like that, you, your channel is really dedicated to preserving history and finding in preserving the, the items that you find over here in America and kind of, you know, uh, yeah. trying not to lose that history, right? You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that was the thing. When I started my channel, I wanted people to be proud of the history of this country. I wanted people to go to, to, to learn amazing history that we have in this country. And, and, and to me, uh, that's the most important thing. And, and I really, yeah, we, we all had our dark moments in, in the history of any country, but we have had such an amazing, amazing accomplishments through our history in this country. You know, the founding fathers, amazing. Just 
I mean, I can I can read about them forever. I'm totally fascinated. And and when you judge, when you sit here in this time period and judge history 300 years ago, you can't do it from a perspective of society today. You actually have to go back and put yourself in their shoes and realize that they were actually being extremely brave and and trying the best they could while holding the colonies together to to get their independence and um you know they they lost fortunes you know they pledged their for their fortunes and their lives and uh they, they were they were amazing men they really were and uh so yeah i i love i love showing people you know our our history in this country i i show pictures historical pictures at the end of every episode and uh because I, I think the things we find are, are cool. It's like, wow, this is a great find. But when you put that find into context with the history and then you show a picture of the people that lost those things, yeah. the people that used those things, the people that treasured those things, it really brings our hobby and the finds we make while doing it into a whole new perspective of appreciation. And, um, yeah, it's one of my big goals with the channel is to, to show people that we – America's a great country with an amazing history, warts and all. <laughs> As is every other thing in history, you know. I mean, it's history. And like you say, it's got some dark times and everything. But the reason that we preserve it is we don't want to make those mistakes again. You're talking about the Founding Fathers. Had we not won the Revolutionary War, those men would have been killed for treason. And, uh, you know, we honor them and, and we adore them for what they did as being the founders of the United States of America. But, uh, you know, they were heretics. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. You know, and, and every man has his fault. There's no perfect man out there. And, and, and so, you know, Benjamin Franklin, is he's such a fascinating character. But, you know, he had his quirks. <laughs> he loved women. He was, uh, <laughs> yeah, he had a weakness for women, that's for sure. But what an amazing, intelligent man! Um, you know, I mean, we owe a lot to a lot to him and uh, and so many others. And uh, yeah, history is a, an amazing journey. And and with my channel, I hope uh, I hope I really uh, kind of get people like interested in going back in their finds and their showcases and saying, let me let me see if I can find out more about this. Because, like I said, I I can I can find out amazing history just by finding an old bottle cap sometimes, yeah. and uh, it's happened quite a few times on my channel. <laughs> and if you're listening in live, I want to uh, one second, uh, Denny. If you're listening okay. in live, I want to remind everyone that our phone lines are open. You can call in and uh, talk to Greg, ask him questions, participate in the show here. Phone number is two seven zero four nine five zero three one five. Go ahead, Denny. Uh, question for you, Greg. Uh, of all the things you've found and done and everything, what is the one thing on your list your, uh, that you haven't found yet? Uh, or you want well, to find? All kinds of things. Even after 41 <laughs> years. I sit there and I'll watch some other people's videos. There's people send me things and I'm like, well, there's one more to add to my list. I hadn't even thought about that one. <laughs> you know, but I think it's I a Colorado tax token. You got to come out here and find a Colorado <laughs> tax token. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the I think the big ones for me uh I don't know. It's tough. Uh 
I haven't found a peace dollar that's on my list. I've, I found two Morgans, uh, a seated, seated half, you know, that kind of thing. But when it comes to it, uh, you know, I haven't, I'm, I've got a lot of things civil war that are on my bucket list. Cause I never really seriously searched for civil war stuff until about five years ago. So that list is pretty, pretty of empty, you know, as full as cross offs. But, um, I think, uh, Believe it or not, I really want to find a hobo nickel. <laughs> and, <laughs> I got a bunch of them. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, I've never, I've never dug one. I've never dug a hobo nickel. So My, to me, you know, go ahead, Greg. Oh no, go ahead. I mean, well, and for those of those who may not know what a hobo nickel is, it, it was it was a depression era thing that people did, and uh, and actually a lot of the hobos that bounced around on trains they would pass the time by carving on buffalo nickels and making different uh, characters on the nickels, and and it was beautiful. It was kind of like trench art from World War One, and uh, but I, I would really like to find a really nice hobo nickel. That's kind of a weird little thing, but nobody's wanted it. My mother-in-law and my and her mother lived near the railroad, and actually, of course, her her mother had a uh, the hobos apparently had a sign somehow on their garage or something rather, and they knew where to go. And I probably found at least three hobo nickels in her yard, at least. And so, then you're right; they're cool, but uh, that they knew where to go and get them a good meal, and they would work for her while they were there. So yeah. It, it, yeah. it works both ways. And we've got yeah. another yeah. caller on. Uh, we appreciate you calling in tonight, Denny. Uh, All right, good night. Okay. Uh, Copper Joe, what's going on tonight? Hi, how are you guys doing? We're doing great. How about you? Hey, Seven. I'm doing all right. It's warming up down here. So up here, I might as well say. It's yeah. warming up up here. So finally getting some nice weather. Yeah. I'll be digging pretty soon. Well, that's great. That's great. Okay. That's what we want to do. Have you got a question for Greg? Yes, I do. Greg, I enjoy your uh, videos for one thing. I really enjoy them. I love the history of it. I just had a question for Greg. What is one of the, how can I state it, uh, oddest or kind of brain uh, brain dead things you ever did metal detecting while you were metal detecting? (laughs) Just an odd thing that happened to you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to state it. Besides rescuing that cat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, that was one of the, no, I love doing that. Uh, matter of fact, she's upstairs right now. And, uh, um, gosh, I think hanging off that one cliff with the muscapole story, that, that was, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, cause I got up there. It didn't look that bad till you get up there and it's like, whoa. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't have a green dead thing. Um, I don't know. That's a little tough one for me here. Uh, how did you get down that cliff, Chris? How much or slide? Uh, no, same way I got up there, hanging on for my life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you were telling that story, and uh, me and Tennessee Jeff went one time, and we hunted with uh, Tim Henderson and Ron Reed, and it was a Civil War camp, and it was across a creek. There was a just a, a bluff, and they were shooting bullets into that bluff, just taking target practice and everything. And we had the bright idea that we were going to hunt that bluff. Now, the good thing about it, you had to hang on with one hand and then use your detector on the other. But when you got a signal, you didn't have to bend over and dig it. You just reached in front of it, you know. But the stupidest thing <laughs> yeah. that was that was done that day was when we were coming across the field uh, that, that had the actual camp in it, it had a bunch of heifers in there and a bull. And they weren't doing 
doing anything when we first came up, but then the heifers got to jumping and they got the bull all excited. And Jeff turned around and looked at the bull and said, now don't you do something stupid. And I don't know if he understood the word stupid, but he went to paw and took off after Jeff and he ran to the fence. We all were running, but he ran to the fence and throwed that GPX over the fence and tried to, uh, he tried to launch himself over it. He didn't, he wasn't successful. If it hadn't been for a bunch of mud and the bull slipping in it, there probably wouldn't be no Tennessee Jeff right now. Oh, no. Actually, Joe, I was sitting there thinking a little bit, and I don't know if it's brain dead or... Now, when I was in Arizona, I had no fear. You know, you're 12 years old, and you don't think about snakes. You don't think about... You know, I was climbing mountains up above my house. I mean, it was it was nuts. And nowadays, I'd be like, okay, I need snake boots. I mean... <laughs> but... But I think one of the things, one of the, I remember hunting the barracks buildings. Now, the barracks buildings were sort of a, there was a main building, and then there was another uh, another building behind it, and it was connected by a passageway, so it kind of looked like an eye. Uh, and I'd like to hunt in the, the part that was hemmed in by three sides of the building, and I was finding things there, and I was, you know, there was, it was, the, the I was sitting there hunting in there, and I turned around. There was only one way out, and that was the way I came in. So it's kind of a U-shaped building surrounding you. And I thought I heard something. I turned around, and it was a pack of javelinas. And for those people that don't know what javelinas are, those are wild boars. And they are mean. They're just the javelinas. You don't mess with them. And what was worse was it was a mom with three babies. And she... Now, javelinas are blind, but they have an extraordinary sense of uh, smell. And she sensed me. And you can see she started grunting and really squealing. And I had nowhere to go. And they have these long tusks. <laughs> it's just, it, it's, a, it's not good. It's not good. And she started pawing at the dirt, and she was going to charge me. And the only thing I had was, was a, a, drain, a drain spout from the gutter above. And... She started charging me from about 20 feet away, and I, I don't know how I climbed that thing so fast, but I did, and boy, she smacked the building and the drink spout below me so hard. <laughs> and, uh, so that was kind of a, that was kind of a brain dead thing. I should have been paying more attention behind me because Arizona was full of crazy wildlife, but, uh, I had to hang from that, I had to hang from that gutter, uh, I don't know, probably 15, 20 minutes before she would finally leave, and it, it wasn't easy. Yeah, I did a, I did a kind of what I think is a brain dead thing. That's why I asked that question because I did it this last fall. I was detecting and I had a great signal. And what I did is I laid my detector down. I don't know if you guys ever did this before, but not thinking or kind of misplaced my detector. I stepped back and I stepped on that handle part that you put your arm in. I got an inch pull and I snapped that. And I was like, oh, I thought, oh boy, you know, but you know, then I, contacted Garrett and he sent me one and I said, well, how much do I owe you for it? And he said, oh, they sent it for nothing, that handle part. And that was really nice of that. Yeah, well, we've all done that. Yeah, we've all done that. So that's not brain dead. I think that's just what, um, it is brain dead, I guess, but I guess we're all brain dead in that respect. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I think about it. It's like, yeah. Hey, appreciate the call. Yep, thank you. Thank you very much. Like, oh, good night. Greg, you keep up the good work. I love your videos, Greg. Hey, thank you so much. I mean, I, I couldn't, 
it's just awesome having you guys out there watching. It really is. Yeah, I love the history part of it. You really deep, dig deep into the history. That's one thing I really like um, about the videos. And I will, uh, I'll, that's, that's good. I'll, throw, I'll throw this out there real quick. When we came on the show, Greg liked one more subscriber reaching 8,000. And so uh, <laughs> if he hasn't already reached that, uh, go over there and subscribe to Finding America. Get him over the hump. Yeah. All, right. Okay. all right take it easy you guys all right, all right. Keep digging. Night. thanks for the call joe and hey, phone lines are the chat. yeah go ahead Roy. well i was just gonna say phone lines are still open 270-495-0315 we're just past the top of the hour so we've got about 20 uh, about 25 minutes or so left go ahead dk yeah, yeah. Quick question from the group. Um, Amanda Thomas, Amanda, wants to know, Greg, how many rooms do you have dedicated to all the relics you've found, like, after so many years? You got, what, like, 30 rooms in a basement somewhere, or what do you got going on? Well, a lot of a lot of people ask me that. Now, I don't keep a lot of stuff at the house. I don't. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't want people breaking in here and, and making off with all my stuff. So, um, most of it is in, you know, boxes at banks and locked up in different places and uh i'll I'll display some of the more common things you know uh but but my real favorite finds yeah i'm not gonna you know i've seen it happen before and and that's why a lot of people a lot of people want me to like oh you know do a video shoot of everything in the room and i mean to me i'm just worried it's like putting a neon sign (laughs) Right, right. Having a gypsy, gypsy, uh, gypsy with zero discrimination was on here as a guest here a little while back, and she said it happened to her early on in her career. Somebody broke in and mm-hmm. took all the finds and uh, suitcases full of them. You know. Yeah, and I, you know, it was weird too because like I had a couple of comments one time on some of my videos, and these people, I don't know, they, I could tell they weren't even into metal detecting, but they wanted to know where I kept my stuff. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we've got another we've got another caller on. Yep. Scott is on the line. What's going on tonight, Scott? Hey there, Scott. Hey, how y'all doing? This is Scott from Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. All right. Hey, um, I'm very curious about your digs overseas, the soils yep. that you were digging in. Um, can you kind of tell me, you know, like, you know, what it was and how your machine at that time reacted, if you follow what I'm trying to ask? Yeah, well, let me just say, think of the most beautiful conditions you'd ever imagine, and that was it. It was just, we're talking rich, dark, loamy soil, not a lot of mineralization, and when it got wet, it was just, I mean, my my machines back then, now, a lot of people think those machines, oh, they didn't go that deep, man. They get, they went deep. Um, you know, we were we were basically using VLF-TR machines uh, with Garrett. So, basically, I could hunt in VLF, which is kind of like, you know, all-metal kind of thing, and then switch over to TR that had some discrimination and compare the signals. But, you know, the the ground conditions and everything over there, mm, it was beautiful. It really was. It was it was dark dirt, and when you found silver or gold, I mean, it <laughs> you knew it. And, like um, butter rang up. It was it was like butter. Yeah, it really was. And and the parks I hunted at. Um, gosh, I wish you got. I wish I wish you know we had cameras back then and I'd film things because it would just blow your mind. Um, you know, because I could. I could hunt public parks, and 
it wasn't just like, you know, if the park was built in the 30s. I mean, I was finding hammered coins. I'll never forget. I'll tell you a little story. Um, my very first public park, what I did was I had a map of Munich. And any green area I saw on the map, I would ride my bicycle to. And I, I would detect it. And then I would circle it after I detected it. But I learned early on, you know, I'm not a one-and-done kind of guy. I would beat on a site for years. But um, the very first park I went to, I, I was riding my bike down. And it was near the Deutsches Museum, which is the, the German museum. Um, and it wasn't. It was just down the street from it. And I turned to enter into it, and right there was this tiny, beautiful little white medieval church sitting on the side of the park grounds. And it had a lawn all the way up to the church, from the path to the church. And I thought, this is amazing, you know. And I knew the church was probably from the 1500s, maybe 1400s. Um, and so I started detecting. And I kid you not, I mean, I got a hammered coin right off the bat, and it, and it had a, it was a jetton. Now they used it wasn't like an official coin; they used them for counting. Um, and but it, it was beautiful. It had it was a hammered coin with a ship on one side and a rose uh, design on the other. And then my next signal, I got a silver hammered coin, and then <laughs> I got a cut hand coin. And I'm like, this is crazy. And these coins were dating <laughs> from the 1500s. And then one of the favorite finds that I did uh, early on when I started, I've been doing favorite finds now for almost a year and a half. I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Once we get off to the story, we're going to we're going to touch base about those favorite finds because they're absolutely amazing. Yeah. So, so the the, the one thing, the, then I found something that I. For a long time, I didn't know what it was, but it looked like a, it was it was made of bronze, and, and it had like a little kind of crown at the top, and it was slender, and it was curved. It was like a curved little miniature dagger, but it was flat, and it turned out to be a medieval fingernail cleaner, and they would use it to clean their fingernails, and it had the most beautiful patina on it. But that was what it was kind of like hunting. And, you know, in between those hammer coins, I was finding Nazi coins. And I was finding, like, German imperial coins from 1890. You know, it was just a smorgasbord. It was, um, and it was cool because all the times I hunted there, except for a couple guys uh, on, on base, I, I never saw anyone use a metal detector. So. Wow. Oh man, that's that's a yeah. killer deal. Um, I the reason I you know the soul thing interests me because of the United States or where I live anyway, guys. It's cooked all the time out yeah. there. You know that rich soil. But I I want to say real quick. You know, my I met a fellow here in Charleston, and I do a lot of, of hunting, wildlife hunting. He was from Germany, and he spoke English. We started talking, and he I said, "Man, I'd love to metal tech this place, whatever." He began to show me pictures of literally hundreds of. War artifacts that I've never seen. Everything he knew, everything, and of course I can't pronounce his name or ever see him again. But from then on, I was like, "This is just is amazing. This is Europe, where you know we live in the United States, and you know, guys, I'm a patriot. If you know me, that's the way it is. But Europe has a lot of rich history, where a lot yeah. more years. In other words, where I live in Charleston, we've been around here for 350 years. There's a lot of trash buried for 350 years everywhere. But can you imagine yeah. Europe? You know. Yeah. <laughs> but the guy's finds yeah. and his, he was talking about coins from the 1500s. I'm like, oh, Lord. This is crazy. Oh, but, yeah. yeah, man, way to go. I'll check that channel out, too. Yeah, thank you. And uh, and that's another thing about the, the situation I was in when I first moved there. It was 1980, 1981. 
and the war had only been over for 35 years. So, you know, the things I was finding were, were just in amazing condition and they were literally everywhere. And it, it was, it was, I, I had perfect timing and I'm so glad that, uh, I've always been interested in history and, and treasure hunting and from a young age, because I took full advantage of my, uh, of my opportunity. I hear you. I know that feeling myself. Well, sir, thank you very much. You guys let me talk tonight, too, and it's a very interesting story, and uh, uh, thank you for coming on and sparking my interest, for sure. Hey, thanks for the call, Scott. Appreciate it. And good news. Finding America has broken (laughs) (laughs) 8,000. Congratulations. All right, my friends. All right. Have a good night. Thanks for listening. I think you know, Louie, when I was on, the last time I was on, I think I had about 750. Oh, my gosh, I have 8,003. Thank you, guys. <laughs> you had 750 subscribers in 2019? Yeah, I think so. It was right after I found that gold coin spill. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. That was, yeah. I hadn't even hit 1,000 then. And, uh, you know, I, I'm so appreciative of everyone in um you know, uh, we we have a great time on my channel. We really do, and I I, I love. I, it's just a great a creative outlet for me. I just love it. You know, it's uh, that's the best thing about YouTube, and uh, it's this creative outlet. And uh, I, I just Did have you hear a that, seven? Did you hear that? He said gold <laughs> coin spill. I know it. I know it. Gold yeah. coin spill. Yeah. And he had uh, he had just found all that when we had him on last time, and right. that that was a boost to your channel. I mean, no doubt about it. To uh, to find those, well, amazing. Yeah, somewhat, somewhat. You know, I was still kind of new, so a lot of people didn't find that. Um, you know, but it, yeah, it was a boost to me. I know that. <laughs> I love that fun. <laughs> and then, and DK, but, yeah, you you were going to talk about favorite finds, weren't you? I was. Real quick, Ohio Relic Hunter wants to know what other hobbies do you have, Greg, uh, or whatever. What other hobbies have you had in the past? That was a real early question from Ohio Relic Hunter. Um, classic cars. Always been into cars. Um, yeah, I mean, I when I was in college, I started a classic Mustang parts business, and then I did that for fifteen years, and then. Uh, so yeah, cars have always been a passion of mine, and a lot of people that watch my channel know that uh, um, I'm pretty good at IDing the car parts when they come out of the ground. So, <laughs> and and I still do that, you know. I sell classic car parts still, so um, it's just something I've done all my life. But I tell you, you know, when when I was younger, you know, it was it was soccer, and I played a lot of soccer. Uh, I played in German leagues. Uh, I actually got to play on the the, the FB, FC Bayern's. Um, semi-pro youth team um and then uh once i got to college you know it was like well either i'm going to pass classes or i'm going to play soccer and i've decided i better pass classes and um but yeah the sports but but honestly uh coin collecting metal detecting things like that metal detecting has always been my hobby and uh it's number one so i just put the link to uh greg's facebook page and also to his uh, youtube channel if you go over to his youtube channel you click on the community tab uh greg puts a lot of information and a lot of work into his community tab it's additional content that's not making it into his videos or or just uh, extra stories he wants to give you and also over on facebook he's got something he puts out called the favorite find and it, it just taps into his many years of detecting 
And if you go over there, you not only get to see a picture of a favorite find, but you get to, like he said earlier, you get to hear about where it was made, the people that used it, the people that lost it, what they were going through at the time that it was lost, all kinds of information like that. Greg puts a lot of effort into it. He calls it the favorite find. If you head on over there, I mean, right now, if you scroll down on his page, he's got like a Hindenburg pin. He's got a German medal. He's got this Buffalo Bill token from the Mizuma gum. We were just talking with Quarter Hoarder here. Was it last yeah. week or week before about um, you both found something yeah. similar? So why don't you tell me about this favorite find, uh, what it's about, and maybe some of your favorite things that you've put out so far. Gosh. Yeah, it was funny. I was uh... – I don't know. You know, I had so many, I guess you had so many things that you found over all these years and all these places I've been. And it just, some things have never been seen by people, you know? I mean, I've taken things like club meetings and things like that, but there's, there's fine. And I thought it was kind of a shame, you know, because I wanted to share, share the finds that I've made, but I just didn't want to just like, Oh, here's, here's a button. I found and throw a picture up. So I kind of like, I write these articles every Sunday before I put them on and, and I kind of want to take people back to how I found it, where it was, how old I was. And, and I want to take them back to that kind of maybe give them a taste of what it was like to dig it up. I told the story and then the research I did after I found it and why this is like such an incredible find with the history. And I write articles on that and it, it's been really pretty successful. I mean, it's, it's just something I do. And it's just more exposing people and, and showing them how incredible the research behind the find that we make really is. And uh, but I, I have a I have a fun time with that. I I do it every Sunday. Uh, usually, uh, if I'm not detecting, I got to run back and write these articles. But um, it, it's been a lot of fun, and I've done it now for a year year and a half every week. So I guess I've done about sixty of them. Um, and then. I don't know. Everyone wants me to, to compile them into a book, and, and, and that may be something I do in the future. I think it'd be kind of fun to do, but that's a great I, just, idea. I just hate to have my stuff locked up and just in a case, and no one gets to enjoy it. So, to me, I get so much enjoyment out of sharing you know, some of the things I found, and uh, eh, it's, just, it's just fun to do. It is. I thought you um, you and your buddy out hunting, you found that cool uh, Civil War era uh, pocket knife from Leonard uh, company and uh, you did the whole thing on that about where the where the hardware store or whatever it was uh, was located and it just ties it all together you know you create the theater of the mind right where you you're suggesting that maybe and then what else do you have on that you also had a uh, what was the rimfire card a rimfire full bullet right and it was uh, you started thinking that maybe those two were used together by the same soldier and maybe they bought it at that store it just it gets you thinking, you know, and you kind of help tie that all together. So stuff like that's great. I hate to break in, but we've got another caller, Chris Gardner's on. What's going on, Chris? Hey, Chris. Greg, what's Chris? Hey, you got a, you got a question for Greg tonight? Well, I just want to congratulate him on hitting eight thousand. I heard JK uh, mention it earlier. Yeah. yeah. Hey, thanks, buddy. Now, now, Lloyd and uh, everyone out there, this this is my compadre for my videos. This is uh. This is my buddy, my hunting partner. That uh, This is Chris that you see in my videos. Well, what I want is for Chris to tell us some stories then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get some popcorn now. 
<laughs> yeah, you, you you tried this last time, Lorraine. It didn't work. I don't know. We'll see if he's got Maybe he's got some finally. It's been a while. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, I don't have as long of a history as Greg. I'm a lot younger, so I'm still making my stories. That's great. Yeah. I know that. Uh, well, I was just talking about that pocket knife you found, that Leonard pocket knife. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. That just blow you mind. Blow your mind once you started cleaning that up. Oh man, when I yeah I saw that uh, picture on the side of the dog and the cat, and uh, at first I thought it was the guy's name, like he had it handmade, you know. But uh, yeah, Greg looked into it and found that hardware store, and yeah, that was incredible. And for it to be from that period and know that a soldier held that thing and as pounded as that area was and to pull that out, I was uh, pretty ecstatic. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because that, that, that that's still an amazing find. And, you know, we were at a pounded out spot, but we were trying some different settings and different frequencies, and it was, it was really working well. And uh, that's the thing, you know, we're always experimenting. Uh, I love hunting pounded spots and seeing what we can get out of them but yeah that that's probably the the best find we've gotten out of those woods yet i think that pocket knife is just stunning so that's up there yeah and some sometimes we've gone there and spent eight hours and just walked out with what we came in with and uh <laughs> yeah we, to find a few <laughs> things like that it's uh it makes it even more special yeah definitely yeah yeah I'm glad you had a chance to call in. Uh, we sure enjoy watching you guys on 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 the YouTube channel, and uh, uh, it's always good to go hunt with a buddy. I'll tell you that it's nothing better. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of fun out there, and I appreciate you guys' show too. There. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, we appreciate that. Hey, no problem, Greg. We'll, uh, well talk to you in a bit. Thanks yep. for calling in. Appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good night, guys. Okay. Thanks for the call, Chris. Yep. Now, you also had another favorite find on there, Greg. You had a, and I'd never seen it before, so it was cool to kind of learn about it. You had a King Frederick. King Frederick was he Frederick the Great? He ruled Prussia in the seventeen hundreds. You had a, a coin from him. Uh, where'd you come up with that? Was that over in Germany? Oh, of course, yeah. right. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did that one and. uh uh, it was, it was, you didn't find those big silver coins very often, but you know, when you did, boy, they're doozies. I think, what was that one? 17, I can't even remember, 17 something. 1750, um, I think, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, you know, that was something you went out and, uh, just like the hammer coins, you know, one minute you're finding a 1700 coin, the next minute you're finding one from the 12th century. And, but that, that, that was interesting. And, um, uh, uh, that was one thing I really enjoyed was going back and researching some of these kings and everything that were behind the finds. And uh, uh, I tell you, I'm, I don't know how many more stories you want, but <laughs> well, let, me, no, let me ask you this: Where haven't you hunted that you'd like to hunt still? You got any places well, uh, um, you'd like to get out to? Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's, I mean, if there's one place in the entire world I could choose to hunt, it would be Norway. And I know a lot of people, they kind of look at me like, what? <laughs> but Norway, Denmark, Sweden, because I, that, when, when they asked me if there had anything on my bucket list, one thing is for sure, any, just one item that's Viking. And I want to hunt Viking era settlements or I found Roman stuff and I enjoy that. But to me, 
it's a really fascinating culture with the Vikings and their artisans were second to none. They have absolutely beautiful, you know, pieces that I've seen people dig. So yeah, if I could do anything, it would be to have like maybe a month to hunt over there in that area and just find anything associated with the Vikings. I, I think it's pretty, or, uh, the other one, I like Saxon stuff over in England. I know everyone wants a Roman, but I think the Saxon stuff is really cool. Yeah, well, I agree. <laughs> Saxon is definitely very cool. Um, yeah, Viking, yeah, you don't hear many people talking about it, but I was looking at some of their coins, like some of the Irish Viking stuff, and uh, very, very interesting looking. And you would think that once you found it, you would know what you had. Like, you'd be like, ooh. Well, I don't know, it kind of gets mixed up with Saxon, I think, sometimes, or the early, early Saxon stuff. So it's always got that creature well, you know, on yeah. it sun face. Well, you know, the the Vikings invaded England and fought the Saxons. So, you know, it was, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's just a time period that really fascinates me. I mean, we're talking about serious medieval era. And, uh, you know, and, and that's, that's the thing. I love the early, early medieval stuff that I could find. And, uh, you know, and, and, and it did pop up quite often when we were out there. I think I remember telling you about the, uh, the pilgrims pendant that I found, you know, from medieval time that was made of lead. And, you know, they would take these pilgrimages from Europe and, and walk on foot or horseback all the way. Um, there were a lot of pilgrimage sites in Europe, but most of, a lot of times they would go to the Middle East. So if you imagine walking from Germany, to the Middle East on a pilgrimage and visit the holy sites, especially in Pakistan. Uh, they had the, the caves there uh, that, you know, the pillar of salt that was Lot's wife was there, and they would visit those places. And then they would sell these pilgrim pendants um, to them, and they would be blessed in holy water. And they would bring them back and because it was said that if they threw them in their fields, it would bless their crops. And... That's where I found this pilgrim's pendant in a field, you know, close to my house. And it was just so amazing to hold that in your hand, thinking that a medieval farmer had tossed that into that field to bless his fields after he made such a long trip, you know. Uh, <laughs> just gave me goosebumps, man. That amazing story. Yep. I'm going to talk it, to the local it, farmers here, and I'm going to tell them they need to buy some gold coins and throw in their fields to bless them. <laughs> we gotta we gotta put some good rooms. <laughs> Do what? Yeah. I said, yeah, you need to you need to spread some good rumors, you know, so we can get some of those gold coins <laughs> Yeah. But that yeah. is an amazing story because I mean that would be a major excursion for somebody to take a trip like that and then toss a coin into their field and thinking, you know, that when I do this, it's gonna it's gonna help bless my my field and my crops and everything, and so it's already got a storied history behind it even before you find it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and then this this piece was really fat. It was almost like a cough drop, and it had a little little loop on the top. It was all cast out of lead, and on one side it had the Lamb of God, which was a symbol for Jesus, and on the other side it had. Um, IHS, which were the uh, Christogram for the first three letters of uh, Jesus Christ. And then it was superimposed on top of an anchor. And, of course, you know, um, the anchor symbolized uh, that Jesus was their, their anchor and support in life. Yeah. So it's, it's neat to find these things, and then they threw it into the field. And, and you know, 
uh, we're talking about times that weren't very much long after the Crusades and the Templars, and to be able to find something from those periods, it, it, it gives me goosebumps. Even even writing these stories and going back, it, it's just amazing to relive these things and uh, and just have an appreciation for the amazing things we can find with our metal detectors. I, I said in a, in a video recently that to me our metal detectors they're not just metal detectors our machines they're actually uh the closest thing we have to time machines and so i think you know when we go out there and turn it on and we get to hold the history in our hand um i mean we really are going back in time and and bringing history to life every time we we unearth something and hold it in our hand so we have a very special hobby and um I think it's the best hobby in the world. I do, too. And I, I'd never thought of it that way. But, yeah, we do have a time machine in our hands because we can go back through eons of time just through the things that we find. i tell you what, Greg, you have once again been an amazing guest here tonight. Absolutely. And, uh, we certainly do appreciate you coming on. Uh, I have put your links in the description, and I know DK put them in the chat as well. But go ahead and give them out to those people that may be listening to the archive and they're not in the chat. Uh, where can they find you on YouTube and Facebook? Um, well, just go to YouTube and search for Finding America. And uh, on YouTube, I'm actually under my name. I, I didn't want to do like a Facebook group page. Uh, I just don't have time to run it. So it's under Greg Pickens. Uh, and uh, that's where I post my favorite finds and all kinds of cool things that I think up. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, everybody go over and, and uh, build on that 8,000 subscribers. If you're not subscribed to him, subscribe. You will be glad that you did. And uh, hang on the line. Greg will say our goodbyes after we close the show. And uh, DK, I'll let you say your piece, and then I'll close us out here tonight. Sounds good. Thanks, uh, thanks, Greg. And uh, we'll talk to you off the air here in a minute. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah, hey everyone, thanks for joining us tonight here on another episode of Relics Radio. I know I appreciate it, and I want you all to turn in next Thursday, because next Thursday we have got an amazing show uh, planned for you. We're going to be talking with Jimmy Crossbones, that's right, Jim Tippett and Mark Hoover right there in the chat room right there. We're going to be talking about gold, we're going to be talking about Spanish gold, we're going to be talking about all kinds of amazing story coming out of Florida for you next Thursday. Thanks, Evan. And it's going to be a great show. There's no doubt about it. I'm looking forward. To, I look forward to all of them, but looking forward to uh, having Jimmy Crossbones and uh, Half Red Neck on next week. And we do appreciate everybody that joined us here tonight. Those of you that were in the chat, all the phone calls that we had, those of you that will catch the archive show, because we know that not everybody is free to listen live. But we do appreciate you as well. So join us next Thursday night at 7 o'clock Central Time, 8 o'clock Eastern Time, right here on Spreaker. And we will see you then. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on Relics Radio. We really do appreciate it. Be sure and join us live each Thursday night at 8 o'clock Eastern here on Spreaker 
or you can catch the archive show at Relics Radio on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Apple Podcast, and many other podcast outlets. Please take a minute and hit the like button, and be sure that you follow us so that you'll get notifications of all of our upcoming broadcasts. Be sure and visit Digging with Seven and Adventures in Dirt on YouTube and check out the Relics Radio Facebook group page. If you'd like to get in touch with us, then send an email to relicsradio at outlook.com. We'd love to hear from you. We hope that you will join us next Thursday night, and until then, get out there and dig some history. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should, too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.